Texas Representative Pat Fallon, Olympic gold medalist Shannon Miller, former Navy SEAL Jonathan T. Gilliam, and award-winning singer Danny Gokey. Welcome, everybody. We've got a great crowd and a terrific show lined up. Don't you miss any of it. Not one bit. Now, when some Democrat legislators in Texas didn't like some legislation that would have made it harder to conduct election fraud, they didn't stand and fight back in public debate. Nope. They hightailed it to an airport, boarded a chartered private jet, and they flew to Washington, D.C. with cases of beer on board. Oh, they were all smiles. And they looked more like naughty college students proud of their latest pub crawl than serious public officials. Now, by fleeing the state, they kept the Texas legislature from having a quorum, and therefore, they were unable to conduct business. Beside their actions being basically as petulant as a five-year-old having a meltdown at the grocery store because his mother selected Special K instead of Fruit Loops... <laughs> Things got a little messy for them when their arrogant stunt fell apart in, oh, so many ways. You know, they seemed so proud of themselves, and they posted photos of their excellent adventure with their maskless faces smiling bigly shortly after they arrived in Washington, which for them is the mothership, because some of those folks love government more than liberty. Oh, they were honored as heroes, and they were seen hobnobbing with the vice president, Speaker Pelosi, and White House staff. But soon, as many as eight of them tested positive for COVID, throwing official Washington into panic and throwing the renegade Texas legislators into lockdown and quarantine, where one boohooing legislator lamented that she actually had to do her own laundry while holed up in her hotel room. <laughs> oh, Cry me a river, honey. <laughs> For a state whose origin was Colonel William Travis and his small band of citizen soldiers defending the Alamo, despite being outnumbered 20 to 1 against the troops of Fanana Anna, the sight of Texas Democrats fleeing their duties in a private jet and swilling beer like a scene from Animal House was just the sort of image that political ad makers dream of. I mean, these off-duty Democrats continued to receive their taxpayer-funded paychecks and live in nice D.C. hotels. But the narrative was not about courageous Democrats fighting against legislation, but rather that of cowardly carriers of COVID who created a super-spreader event in the nation's capital and become a shining example of hypocrisy, hubris, and humor being ridiculed from every angle except from the far left, who is, of course, beyond shame of any kind at any time. <laughs> and the ultimate irony, and irony is something leftists seem incapable of seeing, 
Is it the big issue that caused them to run like a three-year-old's nose during allergy season? <laughs> was a bill to secure the integrity of elections, which included requiring photo ID in order to vote. Even on their charter flight, they had to show a photo ID to the charter company. <laughs> then they had to show a photo ID to check into their hotel, showed one to get into the Capitol and to the White House. And then they had to show one to go to the clinic where they tested positive for COVID. <laughs> so since Democrats have said that having to show photo ID is racist and a return to Jim Crow laws, I guess these Democrats have reverted to racism and decided to comply with Jim Crow laws after all. <laughs> In politics, the worst situation is not losing. It's being ridiculed. And these Texas Democrats have conducted a clinic in more than COVID transmission. They have schooled the political world how to carry out the most ill-planned disaster since General Custer. <laughs> and they still haven't answered the big question. Who paid the millions it cost for them to have their little excursion into political history? Well, to quote the great philosopher Forrest Gump, Stupid is, stupid does. <laughs> Since President Joe Biden reversed Donald Trump's border policies, nearly 800,000 illegal immigrants have been apprehended by Border Patrol agents. And that's just in the last six months. My first guest tonight represents Texas and he's on the front lines of this crisis. I want you to welcome to the show, Congressman Pat Fallon. <laughs> Congressman, it's great having you here. I'm just talking about some stuff about Texas. You probably related to a little bit of that, right? That was a great monologue. This is a great crowd full of uh, great Americans. Yes, it is. And it's Always. exciting. <laughs> Because, Governor, you can tell these folks, they love America. Yeah, they do. They love America. <laughs> I, I want to get to something. We're going to talk about all these because there's two really big Texas stories, the border and then yeah. these uh, legislators fleeing the state. But there's something about you that is just stunning. You had never done a marathon, and you got this harebrained idea that you were going to become one of a handful of people to run seven marathons in seven days on seven continents. And you not only did it, you lived to tell about yeah. it. <laughs> what on earth possessed you to take on something like that? Most people couldn't even think about it, much less accomplish it. My wife was helping a, a family whose son, eight-year-old son, had brain cancer. Mm. And it was a 5% survivability for a, a year. Uh. And uh, she, I, I told her about this, that I wanted to do this triple seven. And she said, while well, she was fond of me helping, she said, I don't want you to do it. I said, baby, why? She said, because you're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> and then I called up a buddy. Well, and that's I said, better than her saying, I want you to do it right? because, because you're going to die. die. <laughs> <laughs> that would be bad. <laughs> and I called a friend of mine and I said, my wife doesn't want to do it. Susan doesn't want me to do it. And he said, don't do it, dude. And I said, why? Because you're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> So she did so, let me do it. Yeah. You know, and I was the I was told uh, afterward that I was the first person in the world that had ever done their first marathon on the continent of Antarctica. I believe that's probably right. Yeah. yeah. And, and I <laughs> and I can tell you why. Because it's an extraordinarily bad idea yeah. to do your first marathon on the continent of Antarctica. <laughs> it, it's like, what were you thinking? 
you know that it makes me think you're about as smart as some of those Texas yeah, right. legislators. <laughs> which, what a great segue. What were those folks thinking? Uh, you know, I, so I served in the Texas legislature for eight years, yeah. six in the House and two in the Senate. And I know most of these people. So let's be beyond honest and let's be candid. Okay. And frank. There's some of them that fancy themselves to be the next governor of Texas. Ah, okay. And they know they're not going to be strong enough in 22. So they're really aiming for 26. And they went to, they went with a 12 pack of Miller Lite and they came back with eight cases of Corona. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's a great line. I like that. <laughs> wow. And, and I think they, the, the airline they flew on was the Delta variant airline. <laughs> <laughs> I got that. Yeah, yeah. I loved it. Well, I mean, it blew up in their face like yeah. an exploding cigar if I've ever seen anything. And now they're the laughing stock of the country. Well, just like you said about being ridiculed, you want to be serious in politics. Yeah. And they, they're calling it Jim Crow 2.0, which is very insulting. Yes. Uh, I think it's more like hyperbole 2021. Hmm. Because we're talking about not making it harder to vote, but making it harder to cheat. Yeah. Nobody needs 24-hour voting. Who needs to go vote at 3.30 in the morning and drive through voting? And, and adding a voter ID element to mail-in ballots is an extraordinarily good idea. And yeah. by the way, it applies. Unlike Jim Crow, it applies to everyone equally. Equal protection under the law. Well, the other big issue that's going on in Texas is what's happening on the southern border. Um, obviously, as a member of Congress, you've been to the border. You went there with President Trump. Uh, You've seen firsthand what's going on. Mm -hmm. Kamala Harris is supposed to be in charge of the border. She only went to El Paso, which is probably the mildest it's, yeah, it's place the secure where there is a border yeah. uh, issue. What did you see when you were there with former President Donald Trump? And I've been to the border several times because I'm from Texas. And what we saw is, to give people context, in May of 2020, when President Trump was in office, there were 23,000 illegal apprehensions in uh, May. Okay, 2020. Yeah. This last month, May 2021, there were 180,000. Oh, That's 781% increase. And as you just mentioned, we've gone north of a million now. We just don't have yeah. the figures for June. Uh, and it's, it's dastardly because the drug cartels, let's be very clear here, mm. the Mexican drug cartels control our southern border, not our federal government, yeah. which is what we're all paying to have. They're supposed to be securing it. So the cartels love mass unlawful migration for a few reasons. Number one, it makes it easy for them to smuggle their illicit drugs. About half of our Border Patrol agents right now are babysitting, changing diapers, and administering COVID tests. Mm. And this is directly from them, because when we went down there, uh, which is devastating. So it's fentanyl is coming into the country in droves. Cocaine and methamphetamine, that's all up. So that's the first way they make money. The second way is they actually charge funds. Nobody crosses that border anymore unless they pay to the cartels or they'll be murdered. And a lot of these Central American migrants from Honduras, El Salvador, and Guatemala, they don't even have the money for the transit. So what happens is the cartels say, don't worry, we'll take you for free. But when you get there, tell them that you have a friend in Baltimore, Seattle, Chicago, and then you're going to work for us. And how do you think some of these 20-something women are going to work it off? Mm. This is the largest sexual trafficking operation in the history of mankind, and Joe Biden is facilitating it, and the American taxpayer, he's compelling us to underwrite it. Congressman, that is so sad because there's a human tragedy that a lot of people aren't thinking about. They see hordes of people coming across. They say, oh, that's terrible. They're, they're coming to, you know, get educated and get health care. They're being exploited. They're yes. being used. Yes. Uh, and some of them are going to die as a result of what's going to be happening to them when they're trafficked like this. What, what's, what's the way we fix this? Well, and also we need to mention, too, Governor, 30% of the women that migrate from southern Mexico and Central America 
are raped or sexually assaulted along the journey. Mm. They're being used as political pawns mm. in an open borders and a moral border for those that live south of it and those that live north of it. It's devastating and we need to change it. We need to change it with awareness, uh, better policies. President Trump's policies were working. You know this, yeah. you, you were a chief executive of a state. If you incentivize something, you're gonna get more of it. Yes, you are. Joe Biden has incentivized it. We need to complete the border wall. We were with President Trump and he's awesome, right? Yeah. And I love it when he goes off uh, off script because yeah. his eyes change. <laughs> and I never noticed that, but yeah. you know that? Yeah. He's like this, he's like, I wanna tell you something about Governor Huckabee. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> It's huge, okay? We have this wall. There's a bunch of holes. Joe Biden, why are there holes in the wall? You know, <laughs> you, you know what? If Congress doesn't work out, you've got a great career doing Donald Trump impersonation. That's great. Sounded just like it. Now, if the president is watching, President Trump, that was done out of love. <laughs> yeah, no, you'll hear from him. No, uh, he, he was right. He, you know, the funny thing was, too, he's like, they don't even paint it. It's not even painting. It's getting rusty. Look at it. Because <laughs> you really do have to paint it, though, too. So the money was there, and the, we, we paid for the wall, yeah. and he wouldn't complete it. So we need to complete the wall. We need to de deport folks that come here illegally, especially those criminals. I mean, I'm talking yeah. about the bad hombres, the felons, that are exploiting who? Their own people. Yeah. We need to get them. And the wait in Mexico policy worked. Because if you come from El Salvador, and I make a call back home and say, yeah. it's miserable, I gotta wait in Mexico, I can't get in, this is terrible. Well, the next guy's not gonna come. Yeah, absolutely. Congressman, I wanna say how grateful we are, not just for your being here, but for you being in Congress and being a great representative of the people of Texas and the rest of us as America. Please come back. And I would us. love to come back. And we'll thank let you do a whole comedy set <laughs> on uh, impressions of Donald Trump. <laughs> Congressman Pat Fallon, thanks for your time tonight. And uh, we are so grateful that you're doing your job, unlike some of the people in the state uh, legislature of Texas. And also for our audience, I know you're going to want to keep up with what the congressman is doing. So here's how you can do it. Go to social media at Rep. Pat Fallon. Now, tune your ears to our own Keith Bilbrey because he's got the lowdown on the rest of the show. Well, coming up next, inspiring veteran Joe Donaldson and Scott West. And still to come, award-winning singer Danny Goki. Lots more Huckabee is on the way. Welcome back. Mount Kilimanjaro is the highest peak in Africa. It is rated as an extreme altitude climb. And get this, only 60% of the climbers actually make it all the way to the top. But next month, an extraordinary group of climbers will attempt to reach the peak of Kilimanjaro for a very special cause. Take a look at what they're gonna do. Can you hike one of the highest mountains on the planet? If you can do that, then you still have a purpose. So what we're doing, obviously, is we're gonna we're gonna take 14 veterans and we're gonna climb Mount Kilimanjaro. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna do our best, anyways, and hopefully we're all gonna summit. We have been training um, locally. Some of us have gone to Colorado to hike some of the 14ers. You know, one of the sheepdogs, Scott West, he's he's been out. He's a double amputee. He's been out on gravel, on Rocky Mountains. You know, trying to to simulate what it's gonna be like you know, climbing this mountain. So we've all put a lot of effort into it. We're excited, but 
yeah, it's going to be a challenge when we get to Africa here in a couple of days and start climbing the highest mountain in Africa. And I can tell you, there's going to be some hearts and some lives changed from this. Plus, the American people are going to get to see some, some amazing American soldiers and veterans accomplish something pretty great. Please welcome from Sheepdog Impact Assistance, Joe Donaldson and multiple medal recipient, athlete and combat veteran, Scott West. Great to have both of you guys here. Thank you for coming. I am a little bit blown away that anyone would attempt to do this. Joe, I think you've lost your mind, but Scott, I'm really worried about you. I mean, come on, man, you've lost both legs and now you're gonna go to the, one of the highest peaks in the world and climb that thing. What were you thinking? <laughs> it's always been um, a lifelong thing for me to be able to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. Uh, three or four years ago, I, my, my boss and a couple of the guys thought we were going to do it on our own. And just financially, we couldn't make it happen. So when yeah. Joe came to us, you know, uh, last year and said, I want to take you and some other veterans up Mount Kilimanjaro, it was a godsend. Wow. And, and Joe, your wife is going with you on this trek up? Absolutely. She wouldn't miss it for the world. Ah. <laughs> uh, it was actually her idea. Are you kidding me? No, so we- I thought it may be her idea to send you up that mountain you all think? by yourself. <laughs> I got good life insurance. I uh, bet you do. You don't even know how much she's got right, on you right exactly. now. <laughs> so what was the vision for this? I mean, if you said she came up with it. So our family business back in Arkansas um, is retail, but the main thing is, you know, God blessed our business. And mm. so we feel we have responsibility to give back and, and use that platform for something bigger than just making a living. And so we do a lot of fundraising for veterans and other organizations. And we were trying to figure out something we can do to really bring attention to the fact that there's 22 to 25 suicides mm. a day of combat veterans. A day. A day. So how do you, how do you attack that? We found out by, by getting connected with Sheepdog and, and other organizations, we find out combat vets sometimes lose their purpose. They don't know what they're, what they're here to do after, after military life. We got to give them a reason to believe that God put them here for a purpose long term. And so you take someone who's got, uh, you know, physical disabilities after combat and you say, okay, let's take you and let's, let's help you accomplish one of the biggest things you've ever done physically. And that should help you strengthen your mind, strengthen your, your belief in that God's got a purpose for you. I, I would say if you do this trek, you'll be looking around saying, you know, I can do I anything. can do anything. <laughs> uh, Scott, where did the name Sheepdog Impact come from? That, that's an interesting name. So obviously as a sheepdog, um, we are society's protectors as in regards to, mm. um, you know, the, the, the sheepdog protecting the pack. And so us as veterans, law enforcement, firefighter, and EMS, we feel like we are the sheepdog that protects society. How long is it going to take to go up Kilimanjaro? It's going to be right about eight days, and it's 42 miles. Eight days, 42 miles, up one of the highest peaks. Uh, altitude is obviously an issue, because mm. what's, the, what's the altitude when you get to the top? It's about 19,300 feet. Do you take oxygen up there? No, you don't. You just, uh, you pray that you can handle it. <laughs> I mean, people pass out in airplanes at 12,000 feet and above. So what do you do? I mean, I'm just trying to figure that one out. That's a good question. But honestly, the, the reality of it is we're taking 12 veterans and four of them have physical disabilities um, post-combat. And I believe the whole story and the whole purpose of this is for us to help expose the fact that if, if, a, if a veteran comes to that point of thinking about suicide or thinking they don't have a purpose, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take these guys to the top of that mountain. And when they come down, they are now a testimony that there is a reason they're still here. Wow. That God put them here for a purpose to serve other people 
and to let other people know they have a purpose. They don't, they don't check out early. Well, it's such an inspiring vision that you have. I can't wait to hear how things go. And I want you to uh, be willing to come back and get a follow-up with you because it's such an inspiring thing. But, but I don't want to leave without mentioning what you said, Joe. 22 to 25 veterans a day out of combat are taking their lives. We owe these folks something. Yes, they went out there under our flag for our country, and we should never, ever let this go without doing everything possible to build them up and help them. What you guys are doing is a big part of that, and I pray for your success as you go up that mountain. Scott, Joe, God bless you both. You. Anxious to hear a successful story when you all come back down. Amen to that. Thank you. Well, thank you. And by the way, Keith is uh, not going with them. He just let me know that. He was thinking about it. After hearing, he said, no way. But he is going to tell us how we can learn more about the incredible work these guys are doing. Well, to help support these amazing vets and their Mount Kilimanjaro climb, and to learn more about Sheepdog Impact Assistance and all the ways they help wounded veterans and first responders get back into living, visit KillyClimbForACause.com. Coming up, Olympic gold medal winner Shannon Miller and later Christian Music's Danny Gokey. Stay with Huckabee. Jesus told us that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Samaritan's Purse is doing Christ's work by reaching those bearing the heavy burden of life after a disaster and making their burden lighter. But they can only do so much with the prayers and financial support that folks like you give them. Then they can do a lot more. So I hope that you will call Samaritan's Purse today or go to their website and consider giving a financial gift and help ease the yoke of those burdened by tragedy. My wife was just in Mississippi all of last week. She was working with Samaritan's Purse, helping with a flood cleanup. So if you wanna give yourself, you might wanna be a volunteer for Samaritan's Purse as well. God bless you and thank you for caring. Well, Shannon Miller is a highly sought after speaker, author, sports analyst, health advocate, and a cancer survivor. That's a lot of stuff but she's also one of the greatest athletes of all time. This month marks 25 years since she made the record as the most decorated Olympic gymnast in U.S. history, male or female, seven Olympic medals at the 1996 Games. And she's the only female athlete to be inducted into the Olympic Hall of Fame, not once, but twice. It is an honor to welcome Shannon Miller. Welcome her, please. Well, Shannon, what a great time for you to be here. The Olympics are going on in Tokyo, but a little different kind of setting with nobody in the stands to watch. Absolutely. And, and I know these athletes, they're so excited just to be there. It started, they get to compete after an extra year of training and everything that they've been through. But I will say one of my favorite things about walking into the Olympics is walking through that curtain into that arena with thousands upon thousands of people screaming and cheering 
Atlanta, the Atlanta games were mm. so loud. I'd never heard anything that loud. And that was just such an amazing memory. But I know these athletes, they know that we're cheering for them from home. The training to become a champion, I, I can't even begin to fully comprehend. I mean, you've got to devote yourself to a level that very few people are willing to do. How many years of preparation before you got to the Olympics? Oh, goodness. Um, I started gymnastics when I was five. Mm. Like, like most kids, I was tearing up my parents' furniture, and they just wanted to get me out of the house. Um, but I fell in love with the sport. So yeah. for me, it, it never started as an Olympic dream. I never dreamed about a gold medal. I just wanted to learn the next skill, the next challenge. And so I just fed off of that. And year after year, I just trained a little bit more and a little bit more. And then uh, by the age of 15, I was going to my first Olympic Games. That, that's a, and you were winning gold medals at age 15 in <laughs> gymnastics. Competing at that level against the best of the world. Every country sends their very best athletes. And here you were standing on that podium. Describe for us that feeling of being in the center podium, hearing the national anthem, and knowing the whole world is watching you. I think at the time... It was just so surreal. I think I was probably too stunned to cry, too, mm. too overwhelmed, to, to really even grasp the meaning of what had had, I had accomplished and what our team had accomplished. In 92, I came home with five medals, and I was back in the gym three days later because I just wanted to do gymnastics. I really didn't comprehend the, the medal count. And it was a lot different back then, no social media, basically no internet. <laughs> so you didn't really get that sense that all eyes were on you until much later. Ah, well, they were, <laughs> and, and, and in many ways still are. And since that time, I mean, you've had uh, some great, wonderful moments, but you also had a battle with cancer that you celebrate 10 years of being free from. Uh, was that an even bigger battle in some ways than the battle to get to the Olympics? Oh, my cancer journey is by far the hardest thing I have mm. ever had to do. Uh, this summer does mark the, my 10 year anniversary of being cancer free from ovarian cancer. And for me, thank you. <laughs> you deserve that applause for, you know, you just encouraged a lot of cancer survivors and cancer patients who said, if cancer was harder than the Olympics, then I want my gold medal. I <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think it's so important. And when I went through my journey, I really, I came from a very shy childhood. Mm -hmm. I mean, having me up here speaking, it would not have happened. But for me, it was so important to find a way to use my voice to help others that were going through this cancer experience. And even more so now, helping women, not to leave out the men, I don't no. know as much about you, but <laughs> to, to really encourage women to make their health a priority, to get to their exams and screenings and yeah. really not feel guilty about making their health um, something that's the top of the to-do list mm. and not so quite so far down on that list. Shannon, what a great story. What an incredible journey you've had. And it's long from being over. You're inspiring and encouraging people. Please keep it up. <laughs> and uh, I'm not going to make you jump over the couch or anything <laughs> like that tonight. It doesn't work well in the yeah. dress. <laughs> <laughs> great to have you here. Thank you Thank so you very much. Very much. To keep up with Shannon and all the incredible work that she is doing, go to shannonmiller.com. You can also follow her on social media. Now, Keith is not going to be jumping over his podium either. We won't let him. We can't insure him for enough. And so, therefore, he's going to just simply stay calm, and he's going to inform us what's coming up next on the show. Keith? Well, I can hardly stand still, but next on Huckabee Stand-Up Comedy with ventriloquist Ryan and friends. And still to come, former Navy SEAL 
Jonathan T. Gilliam. Stay tuned. Go to MikeHuckabee.com and sign up for his free newsletter and follow at GovMikeHuckabee on Twitter. And bringing us back in, our favorite band, Trey Corley and the Music City Connection. Give them a big hand. Wouldn't be the same without them. From TV to theaters to corporate events, my next guest has made people fall down laughing on six different continents. I want you to welcome a very funny guy. I watched him at a corporate retreat, and I thought it was one of the funniest things I've seen. He better be funny tonight. I told him that. <laughs> Please welcome ventriloquist and comedian Ryan Baumgartner and friends. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. Oh, my God. This is awesome. Thanks so much. You know, I called Mike up the other day. Oh, you did? And someone said, hello, this is the smartest man in the whole world. In the whole world. So right away, I knew I must have dialed the wrong number. <laughs> well, anyways, my name is Ryan. I live in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, Amish country. Yeah, and I, woo! I, I took Mike Amish water skiing. Amish water skiing, that sounds fun. It was a disaster. The horses almost drowned. <laughs> <laughs> I started when I was just 12 years old. Now, of course, back then I wasn't traveling the country or you know, performing on cruises. We'd go to our local retirement home, make the people laugh. Oh, they loved us there. By the time we left, there wasn't a dry seat in the house. <laughs> that, is, that is not true. Yes, it is, Mike. The one guy was laughing so hard there were tears running down his leg. <laughs> The point is, we have done this a long time. Yes, too long. I'm thinking of going solo. So, solo? Yes. And what would you do without me? I would run for Congress. <laughs> really? Yep, absolutely. What's one more dummy in Washington, huh? <laughs> uh... It would not work. I would not go along. I would not need you. <laughs> Really, getting another ventriloquist there would be easy. Lots of them know how to talk out of those sides that are now. Yeah. Mm. We just don't mention any specific names. Don't worry, I would never pick on my friend Donald Trump. <gasps> you're, you're friends with Donald Trump? How do you know him? Well, he gets his hair the same place I get mine. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, now you did it. You just made half the crowd mad. No, we're on Huckabee, probably 95%. <laughs> so I want you to do a joke about the current administration. Not yet. Why not? I'm just biding my time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> think about it, Mike. You'll get it. <laughs> Sometimes he's a couple horses short of a buggy ride. No, that's... <laughs> so anyway, no, seriously. You know what? Do that Hillary one we used to do. What? I emailed you a bunch of Hillary jokes. Tell one of those. I don't remember. All my Hillary emails got deleted. Well, then... <gasps> <sighs> yeah. <laughs> well, we want to thank Mike. And we love him and his wife. She said Mike is a model husband. A mo well, good job, Mike. No, it's not. I looked it up in the dictionary to see what that means. A model is a small representation of the real thing. <laughs> That's... Well, we, we love the Huckabees. Yeah. In fact, she said his teeth are like stars. Oh, they're shiny. No, 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 they come out at night. <laughs> yeah. So every night before they go to bed, she says, Mike, I'm gonna brush my teeth. And if you pull yours out, I'll brush yours. Right now. <laughs> so, 
that you, we are not here to pick on Mike. Yes, we are. Keith and Trey gave me 20 bucks to do it. <laughs> All right, that's Jeff for everybody. Love you. We're gonna get situated here. I brought two other friends. This is Harold and Irene. Harold, say hi. Hi! Hey, there's Keith down there. Oh, you know Keith. He's my grandpa. <laughs> he was showing us around Nashville today. Oh, that sounds fun. Not so good. He ran over a cat. He, <gasps> he ran over a cat. What did it look like? Look like this. Keith! <laughs> I meant before he hit it. Oh, this story hit it. Like, <laughs> when he, Harold is a wonderful wife. This is Irene. Oh, goody, goody, goody. Get me out of here. They've been married for like forever. 60 years. Don't remind me. I'm sure a lot of things have come and gone in 60 years. Oh, my goodness. Everything changes. Except for me. I never change. No, he never does. And it saves me lots of washing. <laughs> Oh, wow. Oh, by the way, before I get happy birthday, she had a big birthday. I won't say how old. 39. <laughs> you sure it's really 39? Well, maybe more like 39.95. <laughs> Plus a whole lot of shipping and handling. <laughs> what did you get for your birthday? Not what I asked for. Yes, shoot. I did not. I told her I wanted the new iPad. You, d you didn't get her the new iPad. For a hundred times, I told you I thought an iPad was the same thing as Depends. <laughs> you, you better make it up to her. That's what we're doing. I brought her to Nashville to see Huckabee. Wow. How are you going to top that next year? I'm going to come back and get her. <laughs> well, I got to tell you guys, I love getting to do ventriloquism. I and mean, it's even harder to do, you know, two characters. That's three different voices. And the worst nightmare is to get them mixed up. That is a disaster. <laughs> you can say that again. Wait a minute. I've got your voice. And I've got his. Come on, so if I've got yours. And I've got his. What about your belt? I've got yours. <laughs> what are we going to do about this? I'm getting out of here. How about if you count to three? Okay. And we'll take our own voices back again. Sounds good. Do it. Okay, go ahead. Okay. One, two, three. Okay. 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 <laughs> Thank you right. so much. Oh, wow. You killed it. Thank you. So nice to have you here. You know, people love yeah. to laugh. They need to laugh. And sometimes we forget that that's really not a little person over there that you're talking through. <laughs> people, people get freaked out sometimes. I'll be honest with you. Yes. Well, Keith thought it was real. He really did. He's, he's not sure about it. You've played before some amazing crowds. I mean, small yeah. groups. Yeah. What's the biggest crowd you ever played? Biggest before? crowd I ever did live was for 55,000 people. I, I know wow. somebody said, were you scared? I said, no, you can only see the first 10,000. So it was fine. <laughs> but then we've done some small things. Um, I live in, I mentioned, you know, living in Lancaster yeah. County. And I was invited by the families of the, many of the audience would remember when the Amish school incident happened many years ago yeah. to be invited just weeks after to bring mm. my friends and get to meet 
children who'd been through a very, very difficult time and wow. get to meet the kids that survived. That, that. must have been an incredible moment, it though, was. for you, but also for them. To, it was. You to know, we, we need past. to laugh. They made me smile and laugh. I made them smile and laugh. Well, it's, it's great having you here. I hope that we'll have you back. Would you promise to come back? I would love to come back. We would love to so have great. you. It was so great. Thank you for letting me have some fun with you. So You're cool. forgiven. It's okay. <laughs> we enjoyed it immensely. Now, for bookings, show dates, and Ryan's hilarious DVDs, visit ryanandfriends.com. Also, be sure to follow Ryan and Friends Comedy on Facebook. Keith, I don't know if you can uh, talk out of both sides of your mouth, but at least tell us what we have coming up next. Well, I will try. Coming up, best-selling author Jonathan T. Gilliam and Christian music hitmaker Danny Gokey. Lots more Huckabee is on the way. Next week on Huckabee, Dr. David Aronoff on new COVID fears and country singer Tracy Lawrence. With violent crime rising almost at an epidemic rate, it's really vital to take control of your own safety. My next guest can help you do just that. He's a TV commentator and host of the Experts podcast on Sirius XM. He's also a former Navy SEAL, FBI special agent, federal air marshal, and police officer. And he's also the author of a number one Amazon bestseller called Sheep No More, The Art of Awareness and Attack Survival. Please welcome a fellow Arkansan, Jonathan T. Gillum. <laughs> Jonathan, good to have you here, my friend. Good to be here, Governor. Where did the title of the book come from, Sheep No More? Well, I think, you know, this world is, the world and, and this nation is filled with sheep now. And a lot of people that believe that they're not sheep have actually be, have been convinced not to take action, not to look at themselves and actually secure their own life. And, and I think when I was writing this, um, immediately uh, that term sheep kept repeating itself over and over again. And, you know, being a SEAL, we always look at ourselves as the sheepdog or the protectors mm -hmm. of the herd. And uh, I, I felt as though we need to get back in this nation, back to the point that we were where the citizens used to be the sheepdogs for freedom. And I think that's where we need to get back. And this helps people with awareness in doing that. I ordered your book, read your book. And one of the things that I really loved is that it's written so that the average American can understand that it's often about situational awareness. Right being aware of what's going on around you. What is the most important thing that people need to know that they don't usually practice? Well, first of all, uh, you know, attacking, everything is an attack. It doesn't matter if it's a robbery, uh, if it's a phone scam. You know, a lot of elderly people, for instance, get scammed by these Nigerian phone scams. Uh, you mean those aren't real? Unfortunately, oh, no. no. The money that you gave away, is, was, it's gone. <laughs> but... Um, but these are, these are scams and they're attacks, yeah. right? So people need to realize that it's not a rocket science. Uh, it is people can actually determine who would attack, why they would do it, where it would happen, when it would happen, and how it would be carried out. And I think once people realize that they can look at themselves this way, it changes everything. You do courses on this all sure. the time. What is the, the thing people come up to you and say, I never thought of that? You know, it's interesting is I talk about this a lot is the airports, you know, when everybody, uh, they think of the airport, the most, uh, the most dangerous places where this security checkpoint is, right? Uh -huh. 
And it is, they have made it more dangerous because they've actually created a funnel um, for everybody to go through. But the reality is uh, the where you get your bags is really the most dangerous place. It is a predictable location where uh, literally hundreds of people will be at any given time, any given day, and if they're solely focused on getting their bag. They're not focused on anything else, mm. and there's no security. And once I mention that in courses and even to law enforcement officers, they sit back and they realize, I've had police officers that work in the airport realize that, wow, we're not paying attention to that at all. And I think that's what gets to people is the fact that very simple ways and locations and vulnerabilities that they could eliminate, um, they now discover that when they take a step back and look at it, they see it differently. There are a lot of women who are scared to death to get out of their car, go from their car to a store. Mm -hmm. um, are there ways that people who are basically vulnerable can better protect themselves sure. against a violent, unexpected attack? Yeah. You know, you, you can look at a parking lot. Some parking lots, I would say, park further away so you can see what's going on and then walk in there. When you walk out, you can, you can also see what's going on. Some places, I would say, it's better to be closer to the, to the door. That's up to your judgment and looking at where you're at. But in either case, before you get out of your car in a parking lot, any parking lot, because an attack can happen anywhere, uh, you should always be aware and not in such a hurry. It takes a second to stop and look around and not get out of your car if somebody's approaching you. But like you just stated a minute ago, once people start to realize that they can actually understand what's normal and they can see it, then they can actually make that change in their minds so that they pause and look around and see what's normal, what's not, and they can secure everything in their life much, much greater like that. You talk about in the book that we've got to teach our children, and like in my case, my grandchildren, how to be aware, because right. kids just sort of live in this uh, kind of world unto themselves. I don't think most of us stop and think about teaching, specifically right. training children for situational awareness. What are right. some lessons that we should make sure our kids get? Ages one through five, a child is basically a genius. They learn a language, they learn how to walk on their own. Yeah. So <laughs> you can surely teach them that locking your window, closing your curtains, uh, knowing who, you know, to talk to who you know and, and to not who to talk to, basically. All these are things that you can teach children at a very, very young age. And that's where I ended up coming up with uh, The Adventures of Team Little Bigs, a parent's book for children, because it takes what I've taught them in Sheep No More, and it gives them a platform to teach their children through pictures uh, at a very, very young age. This is the, the main book, the one that uh, I was talking about before, Sheep No More. And this is The Adventures of Team Little Bigs, a book for children to help yes. them understand better how to protect themselves. Folks, we're living in a dangerous world, and unless you've got 20 minutes to sit and wait and hope the police will arrive in time to uh, take the threat of your life uh, away from you, I would say you probably need to be prepared to protect yourself and to be aware of what's going on around you. That's why uh, this book is so very important, Sheep No More. Jonathan, great to have you here. Thank you so here. much for being here, and uh, I hope that people will uh, get a copy of Sheep No More in the Adventures of Team Little Bigs. You can also visit jonathantgillum.com. Check out his podcast, The Experts, for some great tips on how to protect yourself from the lies of the media elites as well as other dangers that you've got. Keith, I know we've got some more great things coming up. I'm going to let you tell everybody about it. 
Well, I hope you're ready to dance because Christian Music's Danny Gokey is coming up. Stay with Huckabee. is a three-time Grammy nominee and an American Idol alum. He has a new album coming out on August the 20th that you're going to love. It's called Jesus People. Its first single, Stand for Faith, has just been released and is heading right up to the top of the charts. Would you welcome back to the show, Danny Gokey. Welcome back. Well, hello. You know, we're going to give you one more chance. You've been All here right. before, and this is it. You've I appreciate gotta, it. You've got to make it work this time, Danny. I couldn't sleep from the last show to this <laughs> because I just feel like, will he ask me back? I hope he does. Oh, we're thrilled. And this new album is uh, it, its pretty amazing because you're all over the board musically in yes. this. This is not just like one genre of music. No. So this record, it has that Latin... I did a song called Agradecido, which means... Thankful in Spanish, but it's mostly English. Say that word again. Agradecido. It, it means thankful, and I, I, I put my whole family in the music video. Mm. And so people, if they watch me, so the song Stand in Faith, which is the lead single, uh, that was the journey, and that's the message that I lived out when Sophia passed away, my first mm. wife. Because in that moment, I had to, I couldn't see good things coming. I mm. saw death, and it visited my family. And I... But, you know, I think that's what the scriptures are for. It's to build faith and to say, you know what? I've seen Job go through this. I've seen, you know, and you can start naming the people who walk through the dark times. And since they didn't let go of the faith, they were able to receive the, the next chapter, the mm -hmm. promises that God had for them. So I love how it's a progression of standing faith. There's a lot of different sounds in it. But Agradecido, which is showing my life 12 years after American Idol. People saw me as the guy who lost the wife. But yeah. I'm not on a national TV show all the time saying, hey, this is what my life is now. So, but they get to see it. So it's, it's a really great progression, I feel, of what God has done. I think your fans are going to love the new album, Jesus People. They can pre-order it already. It's coming out August the 20th. But we didn't bring you here just to talk about it, Danny. We want you to do <laughs> some uh, songs from it. So are you ready to uh, let us get a little taste of it? I hope so, man. Well, I want our audience to get their copy of Jesus People. Keith Bilbrey, why don't you just tell those folks at home how they can do that, because I know they want to. You can buy Danny Gokey's Jesus People everywhere music is sold starting on August 20th. You can pre-order your copy. Just go to dannygokey.com. Now, after the show, go to Huckabee.tv to watch an online exclusive performance of Danny Gokey's Agradecido. Now, here to sing Standing Faith is Danny Gokey. escape disappointment can't avoid the delay but i don't have to make feeling down and defeated the place that i stay gonna rise through the moment gonna 
gonna speak to the waves Gonna push back the doubt that keeps dragging me down when I can't find a way Don't need to see it To believe it Before you even move on, make a way I was standing Walk by faith, live by faith. Oh, I believe, I believe, I believe. Stand in faith, see by faith, receive by faith. I believe, I believe, it's a season for healing, it's a season for change. To see miracles happen that no one can fathom is heaven invades. And it's more than a feeling, and it's anchored in praise. When it's the darkest, it reaches the farthest and opens the way. Don't need to see it, well, to believe it before you Whoa, whoa. 